Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad, here as always with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hello, Stuart. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. And then joining us in his guest star appearance for this uh, this little section of things about The Last of Us is Kyle Diaz. Maybe my final guest star appearance for a little while till we find something new to talk about. This, this is oh, sad. It's... Oh, that's almost like a threat, a final guest star. <laughs> End um, of the miniseries. And the miniseries. Uh, so today we are talking about the last two episodes of The Last of Us season one. And I'm really excited to talk about this with both of you. Um, I basically restrained myself from texting you a bunch of stuff, Stuart, <laughs> while I was watching it. Um, so excited to chat about it. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, a couple little news tidbits. Um and so some happy and some very sad, uh, but uh, very happy to see that Steven Yoon was cast um, in the the Marvel kind of uh, Walking Dead, the MCU universe thing. Um, Marvel Walking Dead? Well, no, I'm just like, you know. He's going to uh, be a big bad, I think, for the Thunderbolts movie was the gist of the article. I oh, saw. really? Yeah. Um, well, maybe not a big bad, but I think, yeah, he's going to be. The guy that they're well, this was all speculative, but that that's the spec out there on the streets. But he will uh, he would make a great bad guy, of course. He's joining at a time that the shine has unfortunately come oh. off the Marvel apple a bit. That's that's very true. If this had been five <laughs> years ago, this would be massive, and now it's. Yeah. But you know, maybe James Gunn will revivify some of the comic book movie, like you know, desire again, and and Marvel can benefit off of that. And Marvel's Marvel kind of needs like a hard reset, I think, because they kind of seems like they're just, you know, gotten a little bit too far up their own mythology. So, yeah. And so he's supposed he's going to be playing Sentry. And I think that's the consensus, although I don't think they've officially announced that, have they? I don't think so. All right. So there's just a lot of gossip about it. Um. Either so way, anyway, that Steven is Yoon. Steven is going to be a superhero. and That's going to be cool. I'm just happy to see him back, whether it's MCU or not. Did you guys um, see Nope? Have we talked about this already? Yes, we, we did talk about it. He is and, he is so nope. good at he is so good in Nope. Yes, so like, I just that role me. did not need to be that well done, and he just like blew the doors off the place. Yeah, I just want him in more. I want him out there. So, yeah. um, so hopefully that will continue. Um, and in very sad news, uh, Lance Reddick passed away, which I like am heartbroken by. I loved him in Fringe. I loved him in everything I've seen him. And we both, uh, Stuart and I both thought he was one of the best parts of um, the best. His like multiplicity subplot. Yes. In um, Reckons. What was that? Uh, Resident Evil, the TV Resident the Evil, Netflix yeah. show. Dude, he was phenomenal. He was doing stuff that I've never seen Lance Reddick even do. So it's not like he was slowing down right. as he approached 60. But uh, yeah, totally tragic. I'm just. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, they say natural causes, though. I had heard that he had apparently dropped out of some press that he had been doing uh, for the new John Wick um, movie due to some health things so maybe I don't know so hmm. but regardless just very very sad um, so I'm gonna watch some Lance Reddick stuff I'm you know I had been starting to rewatch Fringe so maybe I'll just continue on that path yeah uh, that's worth a rewatch I'm also in like a rewatch mood I don't know if it's because yeah. as this show comes to an end I'm like well there's not a whole lot else out there that I want to really like engage with so I've yeah. been rewatching Battlestar Galactica which is a real Ooh, that's a pretty good mm. one 
but uh, he's not in that, unfortunately. So I might have to switch gears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of those guys that when he showed up in anything, you're just like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, totally. it, it, even Honestly, if he was in it for five minutes. No, he's amazing. He had that voice, those cheekbones, just like a commanding performance. I don't know. I just always, I loved seeing him and everything. I'm really just heartbroken about this. I'm so sad for his family. That's just like, su- I mean, 60 is super young. Um, yeah. It's, no. Celebrity deaths don't tend to bother me too much. I, I Especially for, this is going to sound like really callous, but especially when people are really old, like yeah. every once in a while, some celebrity will die and people will be like, oh, I can't believe this person died. And it was like died age 96. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, like <laughs> probably should have steal, <laughs> steeled yourself for this beforehand. Um, but, you know, it, it's just so baffling that, that he could be taken so young. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, just watch some Lance Reddick stuff, uh, and, and hopefully, um, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing the John Wick movie, like, will, will be pretty good because of his contribution to it. So his wife is also asking for donations to this nonprofit, uh, that serves women or like single mothers in Baltimore. And he's a Baltimore native born and raised, which makes his, uh, turns on the wire even more. Yeah. And that's uh, this is for um it's it was the um it's a organization for is it mothers in general or single moms? I'm, I'm not, not sure, but it's like mom care, I think, or mom yeah. cares. One of the I think it's the name. I'm kind of just coming off of my the top of my head. Yeah, well we'll but put it in the show notes. Um clearly it was a nonprofit that meant a lot to him. Yes. Next up, another at the spinoff, which why don't you talk about this, Stuart? Because I felt the same way because <laughs> I didn't realize it either. <laughs> so this news apparently did drop a while ago. It's kind of like I, you know, we we look up, we look for zombie movie and zombie TV show news every time we do a podcast. And it often felt earlier this year that there wasn't a lot out there. And then sometimes something will just pop up and it's like. The oh, new, it's been out here a while. NJ.com is reporting on the name of the Rick and Michonne spinoff. And apparently this has been known or reported since January. So it just kind of did not get onto the radar. It's going to be called Walking Dead Summit. And it's filming in New Jersey, as did Dead Isle, which, I mean, it's probably not funny, right? H-A, like things don't actually get to shoot in New York except for Law and Order. I mean, what gets to shoot in New York anymore? This, so is it surprising that Dead Isle and Summit mm-hmm. are both shooting in New Jersey? I mean, I would say with the size of the sets and I mean, there's a lot of film shoots that happen in New York, but it's incredibly expensive. Yeah. Um. So that and also you have to spread out and shut down the streets to get permits and things like that. So only like the really big productions have the money to usually do that. Um. It's not like this wouldn't be a big production, but my guess is, is that the amount of space that they would need and they the have time. a lot of locations listed in this article on NJ.com um, talking about where dead isle shot they don't really have a lot of they have like a stadium where summit is being shot apparently but where the uh lauren cohan and jeffrey dean morgan spinoff was shot was all over the state it seems like there was like 14 different locations hmm. well i mean my guess is they'll use the if they need sort of a specific new york background they'll do that in minimal minimal amounts but um one of those yeah. locations in new jersey oh god i can't open the article again because i you have to like subscribe or sign in one of them is called like uh has a really macabre name like (laughs) death warmed over street or something along those lines nice uh it was funny okay however yes it's filming in new jersey 
So, and it's coming out in 2024, long way to wait. And we'll probably get a lot more information of something anyway. Uh, another interesting tidbit about that is that uh, Denai Guerrera and Scott Gimple and um, Andrew Lincoln are all executive producing this one, which I think Norman Reedus is also an executive producer now. But that just like that's the one of those hallmarks of a show that is entered like grandpappy life stage where all the stars are executive producing it. It surprises me that they're going all in and spending quite so much money on a bunch of Walking Dead spinoffs, considering their existing Walking Dead spinoff has been so poorly received. <laughs> Although maybe Fear of the Walking Dead, you know, has made tons of money for them and and. You know, it's a financial success. Kyle, I think it still has, but I think that some of what they're trying to do is maybe uh, negate what happened with that. Yeah. I don't know, but it, I agree with you, but they also didn't have, you know, the the sort of, I think what they would consider the anchors that they, like the, the Fear of the Walking Dead, they brought in people, but it was a totally new cast without any anchors from the original cast. So maybe that's part of the difference. It just feels like, you know, after 11 seasons of The Walking Dead and seven seasons of Fear the Walking Dead or something like I have a really tough time imagining there's a bunch of enthusiasm for these shows out there. But I also would have said that about Game of Thrones and then House of the Dragon was really good and got everyone in a good mood again. So that's a good point. You know, maybe they can recapture the fire, but Walking Dead has been shedding viewers for, you know, the second half of its existence more or less so you know in my in my desire to rewatch stuff i've seen before honestly i would rewatch the first two seasons of fear of the walking dead quite happily uh they're they're shorter but those were fresh when i saw them those were yeah we like i remember, remember those quite they, fondly yeah but then they went off the rails it, and we kept, has, yeah so long ago there, there kept being these things that kind of like happened that we were like oh maybe it'll maybe it'll make a turn and it just kept turning for the worse but yeah you know. Yeah, they certainly have not course corrected since they brought in the new showrunners. So that, and then Scott Gimple was quite heavily involved in that. So that does kind of make me raise an eyebrow. Can they actually do a decent spinoff at this point? Um, and and by doubling down on existing characters, they don't really give themselves a lot of creative leeway. Uh, the most creative thing that they've done recently was last summer's um, anthology series, Tales of the Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. which was show run by um, Channing Powell. And that was fantastic. They they did have a lot of star power. I don't know if you saw any of that, Kyle. They were, it was kind of a, bo- each one was a bottle episode for the most part, except for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't see those. They, they were a lot of fun. Uh, and, and you know, like a, ref- a real taste of, but they also AMC has been going through so much trouble lately. Like their finances have been all over the place. They've been like shutting stuff down left and right. So it is like I feel like they they feel like these are legacy projects that they have to do or it's going to hurt their their brand identity in some way. But they probably would rather not. It would be my however, we will learn more about the quality of these spinoffs when they come out. Um, Dead Island, Dead Isle, I think this summer or late spring. Um, And the the Daryl one, whenever the hell that comes out, I forget when. In uh, Cordyceps news, the CDC has been promoting, well, not promoting Cordyceps, but saying, hey, guys, chill. Cordyceps is fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, in in the vein of their zombie blog that they had online since, I don't know, like 20, 2008 or something ridiculous like that. 
they have they've been like, hey, The Last of Us has zombies. Let's let's write about that too. And so they have a little video on um, like you probably you might have seen it if you look at CDC stuff on Instagram or Twitter. They have a, a video about how cordyceps might not be that bad for humans, but other fungal infections can be. Um, yes, and and weirdly, the ones that we're the most scared of aren't making an appearance in here. But cool, cool. Um, and then you know, to if you in case you're uh, really looking to you know, I don't know this this makes me uncomfortable. But Kyle, why don't you talk about this photo you found? <laughs> uh, it's a it's a photo I I took at my local you know fancy grocery store of a. Uh, coffee brand called wonder grounds brainchild which advertised itself as having lion's mane and cordyceps mushrooms um ground in with its coffee uh i have not been keeping up on what health benefits grinding any kind of mushrooms is supposed to provide it you know into your coffee but um you know th these guys are completely rolling with it as far as i can tell and i was trying to figure out whether you know the uh the last of us had been good or bad for this company's sales. And I wasn't really able to figure it out by Googling, but can I, can I read you proud. some of their marketing copy for cordyceps on, yeah, on this one brainchild lion's mane helps you focus and gives you mental clarity. I have no, is that a mushroom too? I think it is. Yeah. It's cordyceps is anti-inflammatory and helps your brain do all the things. <laughs> anti-inflammatory. It's funny considering yeah. the show. <laughs> it will not make uh, mushrooms grow out of your eyes and turn you into a clicker. One of the, one of the comments five days ago on an Instagram post of theirs is, are we voluntarily ingesting cordyceps now? This can't end well. <laughs> Lol. And they yeah. don't, they're not engaging with the uh, last of us stuff. So I, I mean, they must've made that decision in their marketing department in January or whenever they were like, Oh God. They're like, <laughs> we are, go we are just a, uh, you know, bizarro coffee company putting mushrooms into our coffee we will not engage with the frivolity that is the last this, what an the opportunity last like you know if they all they'd have to do is kind of like get in some snarky sort of jokes like yeah. not our cordyceps or i don't know and and they could have gotten a much uh, a lot more eyeballs with him right and then you know other people are gained in on it in a in a different way so we saw this atlas obscura article about like cooking with cordyceps and apparently there's a lot out there about this including things that are like with clean eating and i will admit to both of you i don't want to ever do this <laughs> like i, I don't care. i don't want to eat cordyceps um you know i i'm just gonna take a pass on this particular trend um but i guess some people are into it so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna yuck their yum but but no, thank you. Hard pass for me. It uh, is a particularly disgusting looking fungus. Yes. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's not something I, I'm into. So so there's that. Um but anyway, um maybe we'll maybe we'll see a resurgence or a surgence, because I don't know if there was a really a trend of this, but you know, cordyceps cuisine from now on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so cordyceps cuisine, uh, question mark, TK. Uh, however, we, <laughs> what we have today is to talk about two episodes of yep. The Last of Us season one, the last two episodes, mm -hmm. which will be eight and nine. It's kind of odd that they're ending on an odd number, but if you recall, they did combine two episodes into the first one. Um, mm -hmm. So they probably had envisioned 10 and then 
this is what we ended up with. Uh, nine is when we are in need. Ten is entitled uh, look for the light or something like that. Yeah, look for the light. Uh, so, wow. Nine and ten. Or eight and nine. Yep. Uh, they both do have cold opens this time around. I think. Or is, or is this... I forget. Which... Definitely uh, the last one has a, a cold open. This one opens with a man reading scripture in a steakhouse. Uh, but H.A., this this was I, I knew that this was coming because I've played the game now. Kyle knew this was coming because he's played the game. Mm-hmm. What are your impressions, overall impressions of this episode, given the big plot? You know, well, these... not not knowing you mean both episodes or the first when this we first are one, episode eight, when um, we are in need. So okay. I will say that and this is just because I've watched so many different <laughs> things I had a feeling I knew where this was going and it went exactly where I thought it would go so you know if you've seen the road and you've seen uh, season four of the walking dead you do get a sense that this is something that writers really love to to play with and that is cannibalism in the apocalypse yep Um, I will say that I I think production wise this uh, I, I loved the way that the they they cast and made up this cast for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, like even in that first scene, when you're like looking around at these faces being read revelations, everybody is quite gaunt, mm-hmm. um, and their skin is like damaged. And I, this has been a through line for this whole s- season of this show. I feel like is people look appropriately messed up, having been like living without creature comforts for twenty years. So I, I thought that. Well, was Well, yeah. I thought it was great, and it's such a contrast from the community that Tommy is living in. Living in, so oh, totally, yeah. Where they're uh, making whiskey and bacon, and everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. But then you know, and then if you see, you know, what I liked about how they rolled out this episode was that it seemed relatively benign, and then just gets more and more sinister. And you can pick up these little like hints about it like there's they're definitely there and they're dark um so i liked how it was sort of at first you think it's like okay this community's there they've clearly been through a lot but you know seems like they're gathering together in this like semi-religious community and like talking about faith and like hopefully they'll get through but then they keep revealing more and more details and i thought it was very nice how they did it um yeah, and props to Scott Shepard, who plays David in this episode. Yeah. Who, oh, God. <laughs> I looked at his filmography. There's not a whole lot there. Like, I don't know that you would necessarily think this is the guy for this job, but he kills it. He really does. And he perfectly walks that line because he really does seem semi-benign or at least. And then it just like and as more and more is revealed, you're you're really forced to think about who he was pre-apocalypse. Um, or at least I was. Uh, yeah. So we'll get to that. But um, yeah, his classroom must have been interesting. Yeah, I was just like, why is that dude a teacher? I gee, I wonder. Um, Kyle, what, so, what were your first impressions? I really liked that they in a in a show that's so kind of episodic in a way. I really liked that it's directly linked to the um, events of the prior episode. So the um, reason the group comes together in that first scene is to mourn the death of the man that Joel killed uh, when they were making their escape from the university. And of course we know because 
we were there and were on the side of our protagonists that, you know, they were, were essentially getting mugged by these guys <laughs> um, and probably going to get taken back to be used as. Well, yeah, I was about uh, to say, su- were they sustenance? Yeah, I was like, they were clearly going to harvest them or something. Yeah. right? But, yeah, but of course, to these guys, they're just like, you know, they killed my my dad, basically, which is a very mm-hmm. human emotion that the, that the girl has. Um, and so that's kind of why they uh, know what to look for in terms of, you know, a man traveling with a young woman and uh, why they kind of set off to to search for them, which I, I just liked the way that those kind of puzzle pieces fit together here. Um, you know, the guy who plays David is incredibly creepy, but one of the most creepy things about him is that he isn't necessarily all bad off the bat. So right. when right. he meets Ellie, Ellie shoots a deer and then essentially David and uh, James, I think is yeah. the other guy's name. Uh, James is played by Troy Baker, who played Joel in The Last of Us, which is nice. And you're right, Stuart. He looks messed up. Like, he he looks gaunt. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's just Hollywood skinny, but then they make his cheeks redder. And, exactly. You know, it, yep. it, it takes it to a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they've kind of come to this deal where they'll swap some penicillin uh, for a little bit of the deer and Ellie has to wait with David and they have this conversation and you can feel Ellie. And I think even as the audience, we also kind of almost want to believe that this guy could be a good guy. And he's kind of making a pitch in a, in a way that, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, extending some amount of mercy to them and, and, you know, forgiveness and a little bit about his life and how they like brought this stuff together. And there's just like a little bit of hope there that, you know, maybe he's not as bad as he seems or as, you know, maybe well, there's something uh, kind here as well. You mean in the first instance where he's sitting with her around the fire? Yes, exactly. Because later when she's in the cage, even though he's extending this semi hopeful message it's kind of hard to believe what he no, says no there there the mask has fallen away i'm thinking okay, mostly okay. about the fire yeah and so but it, but but it kind of sets the stage because it, you know he isn't just a violent psychopath right off the bat like this isn't a kathleen situation where she's shooting the doctor in the first episode or something um you know he 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 is a little bit charming and and you can kind of see how he became the leader of these folks. And you can also see that Ellie is harbors just a little bit of hope that maybe she's found somebody who can be helpful and and not a threat. Well, I do like how the minute he starts talking about, you know, how things happen for a reason and there's no luck. And then that really like her face, um, Bella Ramsey's face as she's listening to him because she knows what happened and how Joel got hurt. Um, and she knows what they were doing and that it certainly wasn't like a benign interaction, that it wasn't accidental. Um, and no, she's got to get out of there. Like that was a great reveal. Um, when, when he starts sharing that story with her and, and her, her flight instinct is absolutely correct. So I really enjoyed that, that you're right. Like Kyle had like a little bit of hope was extended, but then immediately it's like, nope. Gotta get out of here. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. Um, If I have a criticism for this episode, it's that it could have done 
a thing that the game managed to do in the same scenario which was yes david is charming at the at the fire like that is that's parallel uh but then they they get attacked by infected the two of them while james is off getting the medicine uh. at, the, at the village and in the game it's like like wave after wave it's an insane like you could not do this in this episode however david saves ellie's life and vice versa multiple times over during this section of the game and mm. so on top of that like convincing uh rhetoric that he's been giving her they also then have a moment of or several moments of literally saving each other's lives and you trust david but well you know in the in the environmental version of the storytelling you kind of trust him because he he's come in and like gotten a zombie off of you a bunch of times i think and and craig mazin talked about like not feeling like it was necessary but i honestly I have a feeling that there just weren't enough zombies toward the end of the season. I would have liked one clicker to show up. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. We get one zombie in the final two episodes. It just seems like not enough. Yeah, yeah and I, I was, I thought that that's where they were going, honestly. So I was very surprised that there wasn't something that happened in at least one of these episodes. Well, they um, tried to trick you too when she's hunting the deer and what what is actually antlers on tree branches it sounds just like a clicker at first in the woods and she you, mm -hmm. you know you're on you're focused in on um ellie and she's like but then she, they shoot they show you the deer quite quickly yeah um but yeah that that could have been that could have helped because then you would be even more suckered in as an audience and you would understand that ellie could have been more suckered in but she, of course she's resilient and a total badass and even in the cage she's that's what I love about this little this whole section is she's always kind of thinking ahead to what she can do next. Um, yeah. I will say that even it, like as they're dragging her out of the cage toward her potential demise, she bites not James. She bites uh, David because that's actually strategic. Yep. Um, you know, like if it had been James, who knows what what David would have done. David would have said... just killed James. Like yeah. that's what he would have done. <laughs> yeah. But she knows that he's such a like megalomaniac that you know he's gonna it totally buys her the time she needs you know yep. um i also like i was a little bit worried that what they were gonna do here was that joel was gonna come in riding on his white horse or whatever yeah. you want to call it and rescue her and i was really glad that that's not what they did here um and it really just is i i thought that they did a great job um of showing how savvy and smart and honestly street smart Ellie is, even if she is naive in other ways. Um, she very much had his number no matter like, and, and I was just like, Oh, like, cause I not having seen the game, I didn't know where any of this was going, but um, I was really like, Oh, this is what what's she going to do to him. And I, I wasn't totally prepared for it, but <laughs> it was uh, a really great show of her, survival skills and i just love i loved how she drew him in too because he has no idea what he's dealing with he's finally um, got someone who's on his level which is what he's interested in but he's yeah. not ready yep correct um so so that was uh, kind of there's there's also been a scene before they go hunt actually yeah no it was before they go back out to find joel uh, before they kind of like roll up ellie uh, they have a dinner scene where he slaps the Alex daughter and then helps her up and then says that he's her daddy. It's all super disturbing. 
Just before he feeds her his daddy. Exactly. Or her daddy, rather. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just that, but it's like everybody's eating off these like, like they have all these like tiny portions, but he has this massive plate of human. Ugh, it's so yeah. gross. That was that was pretty bad. Uh, there's also the most interesting delivery of the word venison. Uh, just yeah, before that. Yeah, totally. It's so venison. I, mm-hmm. One thing that I think was a little bit of a missed opportunity here, and and bear with me as I say some things that are going to sound extremely disturbing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's oh a God. cannibalism episode, so go well, for it, Kyle. <laughs> David is the leader of this group, and he is eventually revealed to be you know, despite his initial charm and mercy, he's later, uh, you know, revealed to be a megalomaniac, uh, an abusive leader of his people, a cannibal, and indeed a pedophile, all wrapped up into one little bundle. So he's over the top in terms of his villainy. It, it's it's almost like how many more... You know, it, it, could he be a Nazi as well? Like, just throw that in there just so we can get a little bit of another, you know, thing in there. And I think that one missed opportunity is that the the show kind of doesn't have the opportunity to explore whether what he's doing with the cannibalism is justified. Like, it is an uncomfortable truth that humans in extreme scenarios have frequently had to resort to cannibalism throughout history. And sometimes you could kind of see why, like if you're, you know, these people are dead already, you know, like it's, you know, in the case of the father here, they didn't kill him specifically to eat him. And it would be a waste just to like stick him in a meat locker and, you know, wait for the ground to thaw. So I, I think there was a little bit of room here to explore whether or not what was happening here was, you know, was a legitimate survival strategy, but it quickly just becomes overshadowed by just how over the top nuts this guy is. Um, and so I, I just, I, feel I like just wish they, the show has gotten to dig into that a little more. I feel like they kind of talk about this because there's the whole exchange between James and David about the fact that, you know, some people thought they had seen deer but that it may have been just a something that they wanted to see. And, and David is very quick to say, well, you know, maybe let's go out hunting and let's make sure it happens. So I do think that they try to show that it was justified. Um, but I also don't think David is at all bothered by the fact that this is what they're doing to survive. Um, and he says something like that to Ellie later, that we are all animals. Um, and he, you know, he kind of acts like, oh, yeah, it's not something we want to do. But I don't get the sense that he is bothered at all by it. Hence the big plate of human food. Um, yeah, no, they do I, have I, I three bodies in their meat locker, human right. bodies, right? But in, in, in that scene with him and James earlier, before they decided to go hunting, he maybe it was code, uh, which would be a, you know, a reference to what he says to him later. How mm-hmm. much do we have left? You know, venison, elk, whatever. And he's like a week. They don't you don't see any elk in that meat locker. No, but they do. uh, I mean, he does. He, you know, he wants the deer. They're very excited to get that. And then also when the horse is shot, he has them drag it in and Mm -hmm. we see it indeed in there. So I don't think that they are only I I don't think that they are cannibals by choice, I guess. Um, But I also don't think that David is at all bothered by this when other people are. So another show, another show that we've discussed on the podcast, um, Yellow Jackets. 
uh, is based at least loosely on a real plane crash that took place in South America in, I think, the 70s, where a plane carrying a team of soccer players, amongst other people, crashed in yeah, it's the, the Andes. Um, the movie Alive was alive. set on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have not seen the film, but I have read about the incident because of Yellow Jackets. And, um, you know, they did have to resort to cannibalism, but uh, did it you know, in a very reluctant and guilt-ridden way. And it it really directly resulted in, you know, almost half of the, um, of the people who were on the plane surviving four months in, you know, essentially wide up conditions high in the mountains. Um, So, you know, I did, there's just, there's, I I want a little more nuance in my cannibalism stories. I guess that's my point. Like, I I just want, I want to, you know, to, to, to you know have a a story that kind of makes the case that maybe this was you know something that that saved people's lives and you know david's got a little band of people there who have all survived at 20 odd plus years after mm-hmm. you know the the infection so i don't know yeah. that's that just a little nitpick you should watch that movie alive because it's really well done but a very this is just a total random fact but ethan hawk who starred in that movie refused to grow a full beard he'd only grow a goatee for that so there's like <laughs> no matter how many months of like the the like everybody else looks like really ragged and whatever but he still has his like little groomed goatee so anyway um and but i do think that they explore some of those within the film um and they you know talk to the survivors after this happened but they explore some of those nuances like um, and indeed, some of the people who refused to like partake in this died um, mm-hmm. because they just couldn't bring themselves to do it. So I do think that it's one of those things that, uh, you know, they they can't get too far into it here because it's a 45 minute episode. But that would have been kind of interesting to have at least an exchange that was a little bit more open about this with the the people in this community. Yeah, it seems like the people in the community have kind of blinders on. There's kind of a willful ignorance or denial going on where they, you know, are just accepting that these folks are really good at hunting all these deer. And they're so repressed, too. Yeah, like, that's they're, one they're, of the, they're under his thumb. Without that's one of the question. nice things about the, the background acting in this episode is everybody just looks like they all wait, I don't know, five minutes while they have full plates in front of them until he sits down and says grace. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if he hadn't come back in with that deer? Would they just be sitting there all night? Uh, until he shows up and then they can eat their food it's uh it's pretty crazy um so ellie uh, in the game that horse they named it uh callus i think um so i was very sad to see callus die again it was sad enough in the game it's better sad the next time too uh and but the uh my god the the scene of like them going house to house and and joel's um rather miraculous recovery it's it's all very similar to how it plays out uh, in the game and it's um yeah you get to see his enhanced interrogation techniques it's it's very improbable that he could have gone from like uh barely conscious to managing to be stealthy enough and then stab that one guy in the neck i'll give you that but and then then he kind of just gets up and he's fine remember uh, last time we we podcast that i was wondering how quickly he would get back into Mm -hmm. a murder machine as he does in the video game after being impaled on rebar in this case by a broken baseball bat handle but it's still very fast i mean penicillin's great and all but i think it probably would have taken more than two days and two shots 
I don't know, Stuart. That's magic penicillin. It's something that I kind of complained about a little bit back in the Jackson episode, and I'm going to complain about it a little bit in the next episode as well. But this show is really, really unwilling to let any time pass on screen. And it's weird. Like in Jackson, it's like they arrive the next morning. They leave. There's been like 11 hours in Jackson. Um, and then here, like all, all that you need is a brief scene where, you know, <clears throat> David and James say, look, we've been doing this for a week. How much longer are we going to keep looking for these guys? And then you've completely solved this entire problem. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just don't understand why the show writes itself into these logistical little corners when all it needs to do is give itself a little bit more breathing room and and it would make these scenes much more plausible. So, uh, you know, again, 72 hours on penicillin, Joel's going to be feeling a lot better. Uh, I, I, I don't really understand why they have to create this problem for themselves by stacking all of these events within the same like four hour period. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, Kyle. Like they could even have come up with some winter storm why they couldn't track them so that, you know. Yeah, but, something. I mean, there's a lot of houses, you know, they, they're going I guess house to part house. Of it, part of it is that we need to know that Ellie doesn't think he's coming because she's she's doing the best she can, but she has to leave him in this like incredibly vulnerable situation because she's trying to save him. So I feel like that probably wouldn't have worked. Um, That's an excellent point. Um, and, yeah, and it also goes point. to the mythology of Joel as this like unbreakable person which he is like we've talked about this on uh in the game kyle uh he is he is just like um he's made of oak and um it doesn't really matter what you do to him he'll always kind of get up again and so part of that part of this improbable nature of the storytelling here goes to that but also as you said uh, ellie ellie needs to think she's on her own yeah, yeah, but I also I also think you're correct, Kyle, though, because noted in other places where I think it could have been, especially when they're traveling together and things like that, like there could be just a moment where you know that time has passed because I do feel like there's a little bit of whiplash when you're trying to catch up with, oh, wait, and trying to figure out has it how long has it been or where are they, you know, how did they get here so quickly? <laughs> so I think, but, but in this particular case, I do think it was probably necessary as a plot point for Ellie. I do think, and this is kind of a theme that we'll have across both of these episodes in terms of my feedback, that in the beginning of the show, the show rightly and uh, to its advantage stayed very close to elements of the game. And in some ways, I think these two episodes at the end are too loyal to the game and it's to their detriment. And, and one of those is this kind of sense that Joel is like a late game, you know, protagonist. Like he's got his XP up really high. You know, he's got all his nice weapons. Like he's, he's you know, that kind of gathering strength is something that game players are very familiar with where you get to the late game and you're like, oh, like, I've you know, I'm really good at, at the gameplay elements. I've got all my stuff. I've got like my high level, like I'm going to, you know, I'm an unstoppable killing machine, and that's kind of what we're getting here with with Joel. So, hmm. um, it's it's there's a couple of instances where I just think like I wish they'd chosen their own own path the way that they did earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, could have been a very different. Yeah, I wonder at some point like some of their decision making is based on 
the perceived um backlash that they might get if they did yeah. uh you know veer too far uh it feels it feels like that's that's part of their calculus at least there's a very funny uh, clip that i saw where it just uh um <laughs> it it has uh joel in like black and white from episode i guess it's probably episode seven saying like to tommy like i'm too old i don't know if i can do it <laughs> like you gotta take her and then like it just like this is rock music and it just shows him like popping guys kneecaps off and going on his rampage later where he's like you know just mowing through everybody <laughs> it's just like how can these be the same character like one episode apart kind of hey, thing we all have our bad days <laughs> um so back in in silver lake uh ellie's in jail and she's fighting back again well mentally and then physically uh against david's uh attempts to get her to like join him in the dark side of the force and rule the galaxy together but also to be his child wife and um and then she does the amazing thing of breaking his finger which uh was you know if it, if it tricked ha conrad into not knowing that was coming then that's that's a pretty well cool move. I didn't know she was going to go for his fingers. I figured for his eyes or something um, because I thought she was trying to distract him with the hand thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I knew she was going to do something kind of gruesome, but I just didn't know what it was going to be. Um, I did not believe for a second that, <laughs> that she was falling for his, uh, for his uh, sort of uh, storytelling No, because, you know, she's in a cage so talking about ruling with somebody that you've put in a cage is probably not likely to happen. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, but I did think he played this really well. He definitely comes across as a predator. He's absolutely trying to groom her. And I think that the way that they just, just show portray him and how he interacts with the community and you can feel the fear that the members of the community have of him. Every single member has a fear of him. It's no, nobody is like uh, his friend. Even James is afraid of him and afraid of misstepping. Um, so even that moment where he's saying to James, um, oh, it's not code. Go and get it. Like James is definitely afraid of like, oh, gosh, you know, like, what am I going to do here if I do, if I do the wrong thing? And he's like, I was speaking in code, damn it. Um, but you know from the especially you see the most of it i think uh with the widow and her daughter and you know his absolute power over this community and they're you know as you said before Stuart, just completely repressed um and following along with him um so i i thought that knowing all of that when he's going into the cage with ellie it was or outside of the cage with ellie was a pretty cool way to show it um so um we, we've and... already go go ahead no no go ahead i was gonna move on but if you're still on this no, no no i i really and you know i guess the only sort of comment i had was like would they have just left in here on the floor probably not was that out of the game i yeah she she realized that they were killing people i think it was do you recall kyle i i for some reason i seem to think that she saw him like actually chopping somebody up I don't think it was uh, near. I think, it, but it, it was revealed in a similar way. Yeah. Okay. She's um, in a kitchen, and it's she, yeah, they have a cage in their kitchen, right? This is just what you do. Yeah. Um. This. So we've already talked about the strategy that she employs here. They're coming in and grabbing her. James is in there first. She doesn't bite him. No, she waits till David goes in and she bites him. 
and then is able to quickly blurt out that she's infected. She pulls the Bob defense against the Terminus. So it's it's a, it is a trope that we are familiar with in the Walking Dead universe um, with the cannibals <laughs> and somebody saying like, oh, you're you're eating infected meat, tainted meat. Uh, so that gives her just enough time to pull a pretty cool move where she pulls a cleaver out of a table, which is not easy in itself, and turns it midair, flips it into Troy Baker's neck, James's neck, who then slumps against the wall. And then she runs off into the restaurant. And this uh, enters a phase of the video game where I dive, I don't know, 20 times in this fight with David. It's a really tough fight in the game. Uh, they luckily cut it a little shorter for the show. Yeah, I, you know, I thought that this was done pretty well. I, you know, watching it again, having not played the game, I was like, oh, this has to be out of the game in the way that the fire takes, you know, hold. And you feel like there's like, it, it just feels like a game. Like there's ways that she's going to have to get out of there. Um, what is, is, does she, she has to, is it's the same? Like, does she have to kill David to get out of there? Is that how it works? Or is that? Is basically yeah you're locked in there you're locked in the restaurant with him and you have to sneak around and try to stab him with mm -hmm. basically yeah with like, she has a steak knife in the in the show i think you have a, either that or your your pocket knife um uh, but he he can one shot you like if he sees you coming he will chop you and so yeah. i just poor ellie uh, with mike you know me controlling her was chopped up so many times by Ooh. david yeah it was gross um so yeah it's it's the same sort of approach except um she does stab him in the show uh like great job but it's not enough to set him down that would put me out of a fight getting stabbed right in the, in the <laughs> yeah. gut um but both david and joel show remarkable fortitude in these wounds that go through their stomach muscles uh that are not debilitating which <laughs> having had hernia repair and oh my god that hurts so much uh, like when there are holes in your stomach muscles that moving your stomach and like, you know, it's very painful. Um, okay. But so then she, you know, you have this scene, this part of the scene where he's on top of her and the real mask comes off, like no more veneer. And he's like, Oh, didn't you, don't you know, the fighting is the part I like the best. And he's, he's moving into some other territory. Uh, when Ellie is able to grasp the handle of the, cleaver and saves herself but then and also think, kind of goes over into the into another realm of madness i think that um um it's been a while since i played this part of the game but i'm pretty sure that his uh sadism and his attempted sexual assault of ellie is more explicit here than it is in the game um where the game just kind of hints hints at him being a pedophile but i don't think he actually ever attempts to actually rape her or or act on those impulses well, there's a line though from ellie after she gets out with joel and she says he was going to he was trying to she doesn't say it either but it's implied yeah, it's yeah. more it's more implied through the dialogue than through what he's what yeah what uh, scott shepherd is um well doing and i also Bella. you know i i again kind of knew where this was going just having watched and you know watched all these kinds of films and things like that um, I definitely got that kind of cult leader sense when he hits the the girl mm -hmm. um, in in front of everybody and you get the sense that her mother is like also her mother just like leaves the table or leaves the area 
after that happens. Like she does not do anything to to help her daughter. Um, so you get the sense that he's doing this. And then it occurred to me after, you know, things play out as I kind of thought they would, is that, you know, aside from the vengeance thing, maybe the reason the guys were going to kill Ellie was actually out of mercy because they know that that's what he does. Um, so that's that was something that occurred to me later. Um, but they were also kind of pissed and, and trying to take out her and Joel anyway. But that was something that occurred to me after the fact that they've seen how he acts and they're just like, all right, you know, maybe we that's don't want to go through this. So, yeah. um, so oh, she manages to get out of the restaurant after destroying David and, uh, Joel does the weird thing of coming up behind her just to <laughs> to save her. Yep. Uh, but then, like, says, you know, a baby girl calls her the same pet name that he used to call his daughter. The people on the Internet were freaking out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they walk away into the snow. Um, in the, Where's in the, the game, rest of the town? Though? Yeah, in the <laughs> game, they're all dead because Joel has been killed, like, murdering Killing his them? way through the town. Uh, okay. Uh, not all dead, but the, there's definitely, like, a, a bunch uh, a lot less of them than there were. I mean, the town is on fire, so that seems like it would distract some people. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, there, There is a little more of that, like, environmental stuff going on, though, in the game, where you, you are aware that there are other people in the village, in the town, and the, that they're, like, going to a shelter, and the, some of them are outside in the streets. I don't think we can leave this episode behind without talking about just how absolutely phenomenal Bella Ramsey was in it. Yes. Um, you know, she she needed to really sell a lot of different things, a little bit of vulnerability, a little bit of indecisiveness, but then also this steely, you know, kind of determination and ability to to wreak vengeance when needed. And she just kind of nails all of them. It's it's really um she was just incredible in this episode. Anybody who had any doubts about her as as Ellie looks really foolish. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I guess maybe I've stayed away from it, but I think she's been phenomenal. I don't. Has there been backlash about her? There's always going to be some idiots out there, but yeah, like Rotten Tomatoes is continuously has still stayed critically very, very, very high. Some of the audience score has gone down, but mostly that's because of troll stuff. Um, but when when they do, if you do read some of those bad reviews, and I don't recommend it, um, they are often um, targeting the casting. Huh. Well, I thought some of that was potentially because she identifies as non-binary, and that there was a that was the trying to people trying to pull it down because of that. But um, I don't know. Uh, but no, I thought she was. This was her episode to me. Like she's been great, but this was like just showing her acting chops. I thought mm-hmm. um, she really did just a phenomenal job um, at really making the selling this. Um, and you really believe that she is capable and that she would be able to escape. Like th- I don't feel like um, there's it. Like there's a doubt about her survival skills in this, um, and I do think that she like every single like again her her it's not just how she's it's not just her dialogue like her facial expressions are incredibly like transparent and revealing and mm-hmm. really good and say so much so even you know when when there isn't dialogue she does just an amazing job at showing where she's at at this in this stage of the game um 
Well, while her her survival capabilities are no longer in question, the damage done and the cost yeah. of of her actions comes into focus in the next episode. Um, look for the light. But before we get to that section, there is a cold open mm-hmm. introducing a woman running through the woods, very pregnant. You can hear a clicker or something, a runner probably screaming in the background. And she's just running, 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 getting into a house. This and woman is Ashley Johnson playing mm-hmm. Anna. Uh, Ashley Johnson was the voice of Ellie. Um, and you can see why she's not playing Ellie because she's like 38 or something. Like However, that. I will say that she and Bella Ramsey, you can believe that this would be Bella Ramsey's mother. That's funny like, you say that. Holly, that was her first sentence when she uh, had this on last night. She's like, oh, yeah, I can see why uh, they're, they're cast. And I was like, yeah. really? <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, mean, I could totally yeah. see it. They have like some definite similarities. So I was like, oh, I get it. Totally. So. Um, anyway, I thought she was really excellent in this piece. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's not a, it's not a long uh, part, but it's there's a lot of work in it. Um, Ashley Johnson was a guest on the HBO podcast and said that she was covered in bruises and the stunt woman had a black eye uh, by the end of the the scene. And I think they they've also had made some comments about how Ali Abbasi, who did direct this and the last episode does a lot of takes. So um, I think they had to like roll around on the floor of that room for many times. Um, so that, yeah, like it, it's a cool, it's a cool um, cold open. A baby is born real baby too, which is nice and real like young baby, not like a six month old that you often get. Uh, yeah. I noticed that too. It, it, it doesn't quite look like a newborn, but it's closer than they usually get. Yeah. Well, I was actually a little troubled by that because the baby's on the floor. And like, I know, I know they have all sorts of things in place, but I'm just like, oh. I'm sure that was just uh, like a really cozy blanket with texture to make uh, it look like a wood floor. Gosh, I hope so. But I think, um, I think they were twins too. So they were able to, to rotate the babies through. Yeah, they were. Who's they... the lucky floor baby? I don't know. <laughs> they, uh, they were. It was funny. They were saying one of them was better, a better actor than the other. Um, <laughs> um, I did like when the with the opener with her running through the woods. One of the things that I think, um, this was such a good way of of showing. Okay, you're in an apocalypse. You can't control this. Yeah. Like you're hurt or sick or you know in labor just how horrifying and terrifying it would be. And, you know, she is absolutely desperate to get to this house, but she knows she knows what's coming up behind her. And I thought that that was portrayed really, really well, that desperation um, and that instinct to get somewhere. But she has no she has no control over her labor. And so even when she's getting into the house and they show that like her water is broken, um, it is a really stressful scene to watch. Oh, yeah. um, it's a stressful sequence to watch. And so I thought she did a, a fantastic job. Oh, I'm story. super stressed out for the fireflies having to get that newborn back to Boston. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, and it hasn't, it, it hasn't nursed at all. They have, did they show up with formula? I mean, maybe they did because they were expecting to meet up with Anna, but geez. Yeah. I agree. I thought uh, the scene was, I thought the scene was great. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's tense. It gives like a really plausible, you know, in within this world, explanation for why Ellie is immune, and um, and you you get that again. Back to your point about them looking alike, you get that kind of maternal bonding 
or like a linkage between um not only the characters but also the actresses as well i don't know it's it's just awesome make it the 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 textual and like metatextual levels of of having ashley johnson in that role are wonderful uh, i also thought it was fascinating that we see that marlene has been involved in ellie's life since she was a tiny baby i don't know if that was canon before i, I don't remember um but the fact that she and ellie's mom were good friends and um that she's you know kind of been orchestrating ellie's whole life is not something that you quite have gotten so far in the series at least yeah i think it was based on a neil Druckmann short story that he wrote so it, as far as i understand it it is canon which you know takes you to that fine like this, this this is where that amazing symmetry is in this episode this is marlene like setting the basis of marlene's involvement like you said and uh, she knows ellie better you might argue than maybe not because she hasn't actually been with her day to day but she's mm -hmm. known her definitely longer than Joel has. And so by the time you get to the end of this episode, there's some real, there's some real symmetry. Um, so this is, that's the, is there anything else you want to talk about with this cold open and these other scenes with the fireflies? Cause then we go to the uh, present day with Joel and Ellie. Um, yeah. No, I think the only thing I was going, I was going to comment about the Marlene connection, Kyle, but also the tragedy that um, Anna, Ellie's mom, is having because she can't even nurse her baby and she knows how close it is. Like she's, she was getting ready to kill herself before um, Marlene and her crew showed up. And so I thought that that was a great way to set the table um, because it basically pulls your heartstrings both with that interaction with them and the lost opportunity and the lot, you know, they're not able, she's not able to stay around, but also with Marlene having to, basically do what Anna was about to do and has known her. This is like her closest friend. Um, and so it makes the end of, or the end of the next episode hit that much harder or sorry, the end of this episode hit that much harder. So I thought that that was a very, an excellent way to show the parallels and the symmetry. Cause yeah. it's almost like a similar, it's a similar decision, but a different way of looking at it. So um, they're clearly setting it up that Marlene can make, tough choices and follow right. through and not everybody right. apparently can correct uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so right. on the on the road um joel is like frantically trying to get ellie to to be like her old self um well he's like waving chef boyardee in front of her he's waving boggle in front of her he's like i'll teach you to play guitar you want to play guitar i'll teach you guitar um and bella ramsey's ella is is just like uh-huh what oh Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, a far cry from how she was on the road. And they, the the um, previously on section of this show had a lot of those clips of them walking around and her like yammering at him. And now it's the other way around. And so it's um, we're we're seeing how much she has suffered from what happened with her and David. Yep. Um, and. Yeah, I, I think she does a great job at showing this. And this is the part where the time passage, I would have liked to know a little bit more how much time had passed. Um, because I think that knowing, like seeing the level of trauma that she's still suffering um, would have been like, I, this was, a, I was going to comment on that too, Kyle, because here I was just, I mean, we see that it's a different season 
um, obviously. And it's so so you're assuming that a lot of time has passed, but um, she's still ha- suffering the repercussions. How much time do you guys think has passed? Because they've also moved, which might explain why why the landscape looks a little different. They've yeah, gone from they're... Colorado to Utah, which yeah. are Utah's neighboring pretty... states, but it's a long way from the mountains and from Colorado. It's a long distance to get to so, Salt Lake So City. maybe maybe a month, maybe a month or two. Yeah, on foot. And yeah. it's going into spring because it's all green and stuff. So, um, you know, so I guess I would have liked to know a little bit more, like explicitly how much time it passed. But well, in at, any least, case, at least it makes sense, given that amount of time and travel, that Joel would be almost 100 percent. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, also makes sense because trauma is acts differently. Right. Like and more time doesn't necessarily make your thoughts change. Uh, in fact, they. Can oh just... no, and that's why I thought it would have been helpful to yeah. know a little bit that she was still suffering from this. That it isn't like, you know, and that his efforts to sort of snap her out of it have probably been go- ongoing. Yeah. So that was that was the thing that I was like, ah, oh, that would have been nice, but you know, all good. Yeah. And it could also just be that she's having a bad day because he says you seem extra quiet today. Later mm-hmm. on, when they get into Salt Lake City, um, and they go into that construction site. And she kind of throws a ladder at him and then runs off. This was one of the <laughs> sections of the game that that uh, really did hit me. The the giraffe scene is is another thing that they, yeah. they did in the game. It was a um, real giraffe. I mean, it sure looked like one. What do you guys think? You have the CGI oh, eyes. It was. It was a real giraffe. In yeah, every scene. It, it's a real giraffe fake background. So they're yeah. standing on a green screen, essentially feeding a giraffe that's standing there with him. It was funny that they had to go up. They went up three flights of stairs and a ladder and the giraffe was still just like at head height. So <laughs> <laughs> that building is on a weird slope or that giraffe is actually 40 feet tall. I was wondering about the giraffe surviving the winter. That seemed a little. <laughs> Not just one giraffe, but a whole little herd of them. Oh, but, but yeah, there'd, there'd have to be more than one. But I was like, winter in Salt Lake City is also pretty brutal. It's, it's mm. not quite as brutal as r- rural Wyoming, but... Uh, giraffes and snow aren't a combo I usually think of, but it is it is a really wonderful of moment of just kind of awe, you know. Serenity. That's our supermarket shopping moment for the episode. And it you is. get to see that Ellie isn't completely um, in her head and she can still have a good chuckle. Yeah. Um, we also have her deliver some really important dialogue here where Joel is like, you know, we don't have to do this. Let's, let's get out of here. And she's yep. like, no, there's no half measures. We see this through. It's so interesting that, I mean, he is there to like facilitate her delivery. He, you know, the relationship has changed a lot, but she's basically telling him how it's going to go. Uh, and he's just like, okay, boss. <laughs> and so he's kind of gone back into a Tess ordering him around sort of mode. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys felt that at all in that scene. I definitely felt that, but I also, I don't know, at, like from the beginning when she's going to be like, quote unquote, studied, I, I always, you know, not totally knowing what was going to happen. I kind of saw what was coming. Well, he's clearly doesn't have any idea when he's saying we no. don't have to do this. I think he's, he's just talking about how nothing has been easy. Right. And the last time we went to a hospital, nobody was there and we got mugged and I got stabbed right. by a baseball bat. Right. right. Um, um, but yeah, that, I don't think he has obviously, or that he wouldn't just be idly reading puns and walking into, no. um, into the next scene. So the way that the fireflies get them is overly aggressive. 
the way that the fireflies get them in the game is you've just gotten out of like a subway tunnel full of water. Ellie has drowned and you are giving her CPR when the fireflies oh. come up and knock you out mid CPR. They're like, they're like, raise your hands. And he's giving her chest compressions. Uh, and then they knock you, they knock Joel out. Um, so in the game, these guys are jerks in the show. They're still jerks. Cause you don't have to flashbang people for no reason. They're no. just walking along, reading jokes to each other. Like they are almost the, the definition of non-threatening. Um, so what did you guys think of the, the roll up? Um, I just thought, well, I was a little surprised that they were able to walk up on them so easily, given that Joel just says bad things always happen or there's always things. Right. Uh, so that surprised me sort of, um, and I didn't think that it was, you know, uh, having not seen the game, I'm not, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me that this is the way they decided to go because they've got to, like, fit all of this into 45 minutes. So maybe oh, yeah. the VR thing wouldn't have been working out so well. Yeah. By the time um, you get to the to that scene in the game, you've gone through all these tunnels and clickers and bloaters and runners. Like, you've just been slaying bodies uh, using all those uh, endgame you know, weapons that Kyle was talking about and skills. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's just rough. He's also, just before the pun reading, revealed that he tried to kill himself the day after Sarah mm -hmm. was killed in, um, in Texas. Um, and this kind of informs one of his speeches that comes later where he's like, just when you when you think everything has come to an end, just keep going and you'll find a reason to live again is kind of I, I guess that's well, his mantra. He even, he even says it even more that that she's the reason. That yeah, but it took him going. twenty years to find a reason right. to not kill himself. Right, right, right. Feels like uh, I have a I have a lot of problems with the fireflies and how they're portrayed, but I don't think this is quite the right time to rant about them. So I'm going to keep it under wraps for another couple of minutes of discussion. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um. So, but so they get blown up, uh, knocked out, butt of a rifle. This is part, you know, more of this, like, fireflies are jerks, um, but not as jerky as in the game. Joel wakes up in the hospital. It's now 28 minutes into the episode. Uh, Marlene's there and just, and starts to talk to him about the situation. Uh, he asks to be taken to Ellie at least three times before she starts to tell him that she's in surgery or getting ready for surgery. Uh, by one minute or by 29 minutes and 30 seconds, he has un he understands the situation. Uh, and in like 20 seconds after that, he's already been hit in the stomach again. <laughs> and and he says to Marlene, I have a choice. She's like, I don't have a choice. He's like, I do. Mm. Uh, and then she's just like, OK, take him, take him away. This is going to go fine. <laughs> uh, you know, like I've, I've got I've played this over in my head. Like, how could Marlene have set this up so that Joel wouldn't do what he's about to do and i feel like it's you get ellie she's co uh, copus compass mentis you get the surgeon you have like six armed guards you have joel and we just have it we talk it out we talk it out all of us in a room and ellie will say yes do the thing and joel will probably still try to fight it you probably had to kill him <laughs> but at least uh the, i don't know i don't know if there's any other way that or you just shoot him in his sleep uh, or something well, like that. I mean, the other thing about this is that I don't think there's any guarantee that they do find a cure from the, for this. That too. Even, even so, if they do this to her um, and she dies, like, 
we don't exactly have the medical technology or at least there's no nothing that they've shared and nothing that I have seen shows me that they actually have this. This is a guess. Um, they don't fully understand why they, this is a guess about why Ellie is immune. And there is no guarantee that they can actually make this happen for everybody, which, you know, I definitely think Joel is going, you know, through the the whole spectrum of emotions about this. But I don't think that there is actually any guarantee for the cure for mankind. And I think if there's the risk of that, Joel is going to and that's a little bit of what he says to her when he's like lying to her and saying there's other people who are immune and they couldn't do it and whatever. I think he truly believes that. Um, and but I also think that he can't bear to let Ellie die. Um, and I think that that was a really interesting way of showing that. Um, I don't think that there would ever be any way that Joel would be OK with Ellie making the sacrifice, though, no matter what, even yeah. if she said it. <laughs> So I think we've arrived at the time for my rant. Um, go, for go, go, go rant, go rant. Because <laughs> I, I, I don't fundamentally believe that this is a successful ending, and I, I didn't like it in the game particularly, and I don't like it here even more so. And the reason is because you can see what the creators or the writers are attempting to do, which is set up this genuine moral quandary their 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 version of the trolley problem where on the one hand you have saving ellie and ellie's life and on the other hand you have saving essentially all of humanity and they want you to take it on faith that the firefly plan is solid that they have the technology that their surgeon knows what he's doing that all of this stuff is just going to fundamentally work but they have not laid the groundwork for that with the Fireflies as an organization throughout this entire show, going all the way back to the very first episodes. They're portrayed as being uh, weak, ineffective, more of a nuisance to Fedra than anything else, uh, prone to petty squabbling and infighting. We don't have any sense that they're a competent organization who can actually accomplish anything of any substance. Marlene and most of her followers lost a huge number of people coming from Boston uh, to the West. Um, and, and, and this is again, a place where I think the show is just rushing too much. Like it, it absolutely breaks credulity that they would get this person. And the first thing they would do with their only immune person that they've ever found is immediately kill them. But it just does not make any sense. And it puts you firmly in Joel's camp immediately like there is no moral quandary because any reasonable person presented with the firefly's behavior would do exactly what Joel did so yep. they're tipping their hand in terms of how they want this you know moral action to be perceived by the audience um i can think of lots of ways that they could have fixed this if they wanted to i mean how about Joel and Ellie spend a while there. They run a bunch of tests. They take a bunch of blood. They take some biopsies of her brain. She grows progressively weaker and it tears at Joel's heart. And then one day he finds out that he she's going into this surgery and it's expected to kill her. But you've already seen the Firefly's kind of medical apparatus at work and you've seen that they've been trying to synthesize a cure, but they just need something from inside the brain that they can't get. That That's a reasonable thing to do. It wouldn't have taken that much screen time um but the way that they are hustling her into surgery within like 40 minutes <laughs> like how long does it take joel to wake up from being clobbered in the head like it's so swift that it 
it just absolutely breaks the entire um, situation that they're maneuvering the chess pieces to to try and and establish. So I don't know the whole the whole foundation of this moral game that they're trying to play has never worked for me because I don't think that the game does enough or the show does enough to to set it up in advance. And so anybody would do what Joel did because the Fireflies have not proven themselves to be a competent organization at, at any level or altruistic or any other things that you would need. That I is also... not a, a bad argument. Um, I, I don't think that the game ever backs up the fact that it couldn't... Like, you're right. The game... The story assumes the Fireflies were going to be successful. And I think that, that is a consistent assumption for the rest of the narrative into the second game and the, that it's narrative too at this mm-hmm. point. So in a way, you kind of have to suspend your disbelief and, and just go with the fact that if they had done this, it would have worked. Like, because that's kind of, that is the assumption that they want you to operate under. Um, and, and in the podcast, Neil Druckmann talks about a, a survey they did from Naughty Dog the, uh, with the game talking about like, how, what did you think of the end and what, you know, do you agree with Joel's choice or would you have done the thing the Fireflies wanted to do? And he said it was pretty close to 50%, except if it was a parent. And then it was like, I don't know, some much, much higher number of people would have done what Joel did. Um, well, I've I, heard that I'm as not... well, but this has bothered me since before I became a parent. So I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think that there's, you know, having not, seen the game i agree totally with you kyle because this is all i could think was like there's no proof that they actually know that this is going to be successful and they have set everything up about the fireflies to sort of show that they are not really trustworthy and they may not have this technology i mean otherwise why would they need joel to get her out there right um like even the drop where where she was supposed to meet up with them went wrong. And so that's why Joel was sort of forced to take her from Boston. And um, the other thing that I really, but, but aside from that, the other thing I really didn't like in this um, is the fact that, you know, Marlene comes and tells Joel, Oh, she's already prepped for surgery. And we didn't even tell her that that's what we were doing. And, you know, to me, that's like taking away Ellie's like choice and autonomy and everything that they've built about this character to me, that was one of the most upsetting things um, because everybody's like, oh, we know what choice Ellie would made. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but how about you show her making it? But this um, is another way that the writers are essentially stacking the deck in right. Joel's favor because if, okay, let's say, let's rewind the tape a little bit and say that the Fireflies had told Ellie, hey, we think this is the only way to get this and it's going to kill you. And Ellie said, I want to do it anyway. And then Joel does what he does. Then that is actually yep. a much stronger betrayal of Ellie than what happens. The Fireflies not telling Ellie actually, again, it, it just stacks the deck in favor of Joel. You can see how the writers want you to come down in terms of this ethical quandary because they keep they keep arranging the pieces and manipulating they do, the events but to, then even if you hear them. if you hear Neil Druckmann and uh, Greg Mason talking about it, they don't seem to think that they st- stack the decks. But yeah, stack I, the odds. I, I, and, I just disagree. I mean, I also think that you know Pedro Pascal is so likable; they can't make him like the villain. So you know, there you go. Um, he's not gonna. They're not gonna put him into this 
negative space, I suppose. Um, I mean, but he's I there. He is definitely the. I mean, I don't. Maybe that was just. Yes. He's definitely the villain. Like he's the villain for me, and I know that there's a lot of people who go the other direction. I'm I'm with uh, Fireflies. I'm with Marlene. I'm like make the harder choice uh, because I accept the fact that they have the best doctor in the freaking universe. Maybe the last one. That that Joel <laughs> puts a bullet through his head, and that was the other thing. I was like, you know, just the fact that he does it without even thinking. Yeah, the stupid um, guy picked up a scalpel. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Joel kills thirteen people um, over the next several minutes of television he does it to like a muffled slow-mo-ish um music is is in the foreground or of your audio experience uh he's shooting people who have laid down their weapons uh, he like i think a couple people might get away but he shoots you see 12 dead bodies plus the surgeon and then he when he's in pediatrics that's where uh laura bailey who plays well Laura Bailey plays a major character in the sequel uh, to the game. I'm sure that character will come back in season two, I I assume. Yeah, no, because there's three seasons, I think, for this show planned. Um, Laura Bailey will not play that character because that character has a certain physicality. But Laura Bailey was her voice and uh, she's one of the nurses. So there was a cool cameo here. Um, also, Laura Bailey and Ashley Johnson both play Dungeons and Dragons in this actual play that I've talked about on this podcast before called Critical Role. And it's really cool to see them on TV, um, not on, just on YouTube. That being said, he's just like unhooker and and takes Ellie away. Ellie is super passed out. Uh, they get to the basement, to the parking garage. And that's where Marlene has decided to make her pitch. Um, I do think Marlene miscalculates severely here she tries to use reason instead of just shooting him in the face i would have shot him in the face i mean i would have shot him before he woke up like <laughs> yeah well okay <laughs> saying you didn't manage to shoot him before he woke up because you were you were filled with um wh what is the emotion it's not it's like sympathy it's kind of sympathy it's like oh the poor guy he came all the way across the country he brought it's us like ob obligation maybe yeah i think it's obligation because until he wakes up she still thinks he's the old joel i you know i owe you i never wanted to owe you now i owe you uh she has yeah she's feeling feelings toward him but that quickly turns into take him out and if he tries anything shoot him like within two three minutes but by the time she gets to the to the parking garage she should know the score she has heard the shoot the gunshots she knows that he's been murdering people his face is very exposed. Ellie is not like covering his face. She has a gun. She puts it down. Uh, and he's able to to shoot her. Well, actually, for, you don't see that right away. Um, and that's kind of an interesting way that they, they frame this last couple scenes. They go from her saying, I think Ellie, I think you know that Ellie would want to do the right thing. And he does have a look on his face that's like, gosh, you know, I think she would probably vote to sacrifice her body to science uh and then you cuts to the car i thought that was quite i don't remember it going that way in the game um so i thought that that was quite uh quite smart even if you don't really believe that he's gonna murder 13 people and then be like oh my bad you're right um <laughs> you know uh but but then it turns out he had just kind of shot her from under the under ellie's legs puts her in the car and then goes back <laughs> and does the coup de grace. 
which happens in the game with that exact line of dialogue too. Um, and it just seals his uh, fate in in my mind. Like he is, yeah, he's the baddie. I don't disagree with Joel's decision to go get Ellie and kill the Fireflies. I think the Fireflies <laughs> were pretty much worthless. Uh, but where Joel does really cross a moral line is is in lying to Ellie about what yeah. happened and and making up a, an entirely false story and kind of taking away her sense of of purpose. That's that's where the moral transgression is not in the hospital, but in the in the car after. My God. Yeah, agree. The murder of thirteen people was not immoral. It was the it was the not being honest about it. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of people get murdered on this show. <laughs> none of the none of the side folks have ever caused us any serious trauma before. These guys are making bombs and blowing up. They almost killed Tess in the first episode. These are not not good dudes. They might be. They might. The Salt Lake City guys might be the best dudes. <laughs> um. So yeah, she. She wakes up. She's like, what's going on? He's like, don't worry about it. Then, yes, on the hillside above Jackson, he is talking about how Sarah would have liked you. He's gone completely, you know, 180. Now it's like, let's talk about all the things that used to pain me because now I don't feel pain. Um, uh, You know, and, and you can see on, again, with this Bella Ramsey acting school, her face is extremely expressive. It's not like, yeah, it is expressive, but in this case, she's just deep in thought. And you, and the camera often lingers on her face while Joel is talking. And you can just see how conflicted she is. Um, and then the final swear to me, the, everything you said about the fireflies is true. I swear. Her face some more and then okay. And then cut to credits. Uh, any impressions on this? H.A. Conrad. Um, I mean, I think that she there even leading up to this particular exchange, he specifically is talking about his daughter and, you know, how, you know, he's saying it, but not saying it, that this that that's how he feels about Ellie, even though she's a very different person from his daughter. Um, and like that is deliberate. And so when he when they have this moment um, overlooking this beautiful landscape and they do a callback to, you know, her whole view, uh, you know, that view um, comment um, or it's an Im implied anyway. Um, I, you know, I think it's pretty clear. She, she knows he's not telling the truth, but she's going to uh, just believe him or at least try to believe him or pretend she believes him or just gives into it because she cares about him too. Um, and again, this is a conflicted thing because it's going to come back later, obviously, um, in the sequels. And this is the point where, and it's uncomfortable. It's not, it's not like, I, I think Kyle's right that this is the moral line because this will be impacting everything going forward from here. Um, and so I didn't dislike it completely. Um, and I'm not surprised that this is how they ended it, uh, in this moment, but I, you know, Having not, you know, I didn't play the game, so I'm not, you know, invested like probably some people, but it seems like people were conflicted about the end of the game, too. So I don't know that you could have necessarily done this any better, but I don't know. Kyle, what do you think? I like the way that I like specifically the last shot and the fact that you get this very ambiguous. OK, and then just the direct cut to black. It's it's 
sad and ominous mm-hmm. and um uh, i think it's a nice way to, to close out it's very similar to how i closed the game closed as well and, and i think that was that was good after all my complaining i think this part was good <laughs> So we have talked a lot about the decisions being made by um, Marlene and by Joel on Ellie's behalf in this. Uh, in the, I'm probably a little late to make this point, but I wanted to recall back to Jackson when Joel delivers a line to Ellie, a line that's not in the game, where he's like, look, Tommy's going to go with you or I can go with you. You deserve a choice. A, a sentence that he doesn't say to her like any other time ever. Um, and so to me, when I heard them say, use that line in the show, it just, I think I had just played through this section of the game and (laughs) it just punched me in the stomach to hear him say to her those words and then to clearly not mean it. Uh, like it was not something that he does. It's not something that he actually thinks is important uh, for her as long as he gets what he wants. And, and obviously the same is true for Marlene and that is to me yeah yeah i guess that's what you get one of the things you guys are saying is the moral line not just the lying but the i mean the i don't agency i don't necessarily buy marlene's argument that ellie would have agreed if she'd been asked i think if that's the case then they would have asked correct um, i mean ellie has as we saw just in the last episode an insanely strong survival instinct um so I, I I don't I don't necessarily get that read from the character as presented so far that she would absolutely just let them you know cut into her brain and, and kill her. But so she I'm had not said sure. she had said to Joel like this all has to mean something. There's no half measure. Yeah, so but that does but kind that of time lean she in that direction. No, at she that know. time she doesn't know that she's gonna die. Like <laughs> those are just strong words. Those are powerful words to say, and and to to put put those words, ten minutes of of script before this thing happens. Yeah, it, I think it does lend a little bit of a question mark. I'm clearly in the kill the child, save the world <laughs> uh, camp. You guys are save the girl, kill the world. Um, neither of us are right. All of us are wrong. I'm not necessarily in the save the the girl, kill the world thing i just don't think that they have shown that uh her sacrifice would save the world and i'm in agreement with kyle on that and i think that they have set it up in that way deliberately um because then joel's decision isn't quite as horrible um and people sympathize with him i think Um, that's rationalizing no i mean i I think that makes joel's uh decision less disgusting but i can't i can't get there right i think i think that oh sorry go ahead aj Oh no, you go. It's the, Hear me. Uh, my my complaints are about the puppet strings. You can see the puppet strings, and, and that's like the delicate dance of creating any sort of narrative art. Is that you are always in in control, but you never want the audience to feel as though they're being manipulated. And I felt manipulated in a way that was not earned throughout this entire ending sequence. So it's it's I'm not really making a moral argument one way or the other about the specific of the quandary that they faced i just thought it was clunky what the if, way that they set that argument up what if the mycologist from jakarta was in the surgery room too along with the surgeon would you have been like oh now this could work <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean definitely a much stronger 
argument than this guy that we've never seen before whose only qualifications is marlene's like he's our best doctor like right <laughs> who, slash, who the hell are you guys slash who the hell only. are you guys for all we know he's a podiatrist we have no idea um <laughs> Feet, brains, all similar. So I guess my my thing is, is that the choice question, and this is for all of them, like, look, Ellie has had to make hard choices. She shared with Joel that the first person she killed was her friend and her girlfriend. Um, And so the fact that the and these adults know it, too, like the fact that they're taking this choice away from her um, is to me the, the weirdest thing that they do. Um, and without having her present in the conversation. And again, I, I agree with Kyle. I think that's deliberate and it's like kind of, it's manipulative. Um, but on the other hand, that's how we have the attention for the next season. I do think that there's a way they could have done it a little bit better. Um, but I don't know that if the result would have been any different. So, um, I am, I'm not surprised that they ended it in this way because they need to have fodder for the next couple of seasons. And that's not going to work if they just have Ellie sacrifice herself for humanity. <laughs> no, no, not quite. Um, but all right. So I am happy with the end of this show. It, not happy with the way, you know, everything went, obviously. But it's um, I'm very excited for the next season uh, now that I've played through all of the next game because I have no self-control. Um, very excited for the next season. Kyle, have you played the uh, second part? I I own it, and I I must have started it at some point because I have some memories of Jackson, and yeah, uh, it's installed on my PS4, but I have not completed it, so I don't know how far I got. Uh, and I don't think it was very far. I think I just really just started it and did the first couple of of hours and then stopped. Yeah, so I, I'll probably have to pick it up again before season two. Back to your um, comments when we were in Jackson about how similar it looked to the game. You're right, man. They really they really recreated it pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know when that's going to come out. I don't even know if it's in pre-production or anything yet. Uh, what's kind of interesting is that Ellie is 14 in this game and 18 in the next game. She gets a lot taller. Bella Ramsey is 19 and she's about as tall as she's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know uh, if they're going to use some forced perspective or, or um, but yeah, Ellie, Ellie matures quite a bit. She goes from kid to, to young adult uh, between part one and part two. So um, I'll be interesting to see how they're going to approach that. But, you know, it, one thing that's kind of shocking is if you go back and watch the first scene of the first episode, you're like, or, and I guess not the first scene, but the, the, uh, the Texas scenes with Joel, he looks a lot younger. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really realize what a good job they'd done uh, aging him up with the uh, makeup and everything until I went back and watched some clips from that first episode. And I was like, wow, he's, he looks a lot different here. So I'm sure they'll find some, some way to, um, Stilts. to age Valerie Ramsey up. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Uh, I am also very excited for season two. Um, the main thing that I want from it is something that they started to do in this season, but then completely dropped. Uh, and so I hope that they kind of get back to this a little bit. There were a lot of hints in the first two episodes, especially about um, 
some cool things about the way the zombies function that never came back again. Like all that stuff about how they put out the mycelium and you step on it a mile away and a clicker wakes up or whatever, like that stuff never reappeared. Um, the well, we also the... we also didn't see enough zombies for that to, yeah, to actually that's happen. A, a, not enough zombies is definitely is definitely a bummer. I, I feel like the the show kind of lost interest in the zombies as time went on, but um, there were a lot of things about the way that the cordyceps worked and this the, the um, mycelium and all of the little tendril networks and maybe even some sort of like shared consciousness and all that all that scene with them all screaming when the sun hits them and all that kind of stuff that that never really came back. I mean, so I'm now I'm really to see them do that stuff. Now I'm really hoping to have a scene where they're grinding up cordyceps into coffee. And they're all feeling <laughs> around. That's the key the to the immunity. Network. Just yeah. caffeinate. Yeah. It's for their infl inflammation. Um, well, great stuff, you guys. Kyle, uh, I'm sorry that our um, special guest status might have to go on hiatus. But if we come up with something else that you want to talk about, you know, the door's always open. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Tons of fun having you on this. Always love to hear your thoughts, which are usually a lot deeper than mine. <laughs> so so deep uh we well we don't know well i guess we're gonna probably have to take another week off uh but when we come back we will be talking about something brand new fresh and hot or old and classic i'm not sure really where we're where we are gonna could, land we haven't could go either way could go, could go either, either way, way. <laughs> Uh, so, so get back with us. You can reach us now. Let us know which trolley would you have gotten? I don't know what the trolley problem is, but I've heard it dropped a lot of times in reference to this, mm. uh, ending. but I don't, we don't need to go into it now, but, uh, do you, do, would you have gotten on the trolley or gotten off of the trolley? Uh, let us know, email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. We we're on Twitter at reanimatedpcast and you can find all of our episodes at reanimated.podbean.com. Uh, and Joel's a murderer. <laughs> and on that note, ciao. Thanks for listening. See you later. All right. Good times. Bye, everybody. Sure.